Imagine a world where heroes rise up, supported by a cast of thousands on a quest to destroy the greatest evil ever known. Well, this is not that story. But if you are searching for a fantasy that sits outside the box, a story that likes to poke fun at the traditional, or if you're seeking a guidebook for achieving world domination, choose Myrtle Norton's Guide to World Domination from Dark Myth Publishing. An autobiography. Autobiography. It's a mostly true story, which is totally unbelievable. You can find it at www.mythmark.com. What's your favorite genre? Fantasy, horror, romance, sci-fi? Gabriella Balcom's book On the Wings of Ideas includes all of these and more. It's filled with unforgettable people who will touch your heart, astound you, or even make you shiver. The stories include Jacob, who survived everything life's thrown at him, but can he survive his beloved mother's deathbed request? Ralph's deteriorating and Gertrude would do anything to save him. Serial killers fascinate young Bobby, and he's developed unusual hobbies of his own. No one knows, no one would even guess. Edwina and her classmates are storming Area 51, but she's nauseous. This is an adventure for them, but for her, it's a matter of life and death. Abuse damaged Sandy's self-esteem, but a supernatural being gives her a chance for some well-deserved payback. Mai longs for one thing she wants more than life itself, and appeals to a goddess for help. Dahlia wants to help an injured cat, but her widowed father can't afford to feed it. He can barely keep himself and Dahlia fed and housed. Maggie stresses about Joe. If anything happens to her, who would take care of it? Sludge has been trapped behind the boundary for eons, but it's about to come down. Ruth tries to save a badly damaged rose plant and is transported to a wondrous magical world. Becky the Blabbermouth delights in troublemaking, but she's about to learn karma is real. Sylvana hides in terror when he appears. Will her invisibility and protection spells work? Jenny can't write a good story about fairies and travels to Ireland for inspiration. If only magical creatures were real. Kevin's discovery shocks him. Could that be a monster? Readers have been praising Gabriella's book. Here are some of the comments. I loved each of these stories. Great job putting unique twists. Highly recommended. A sweet delight really touched my heart. Each adventure is an easy read and thought-provoking. Quite the journey. Great creation. Five senses are tickled and tantalized. I was intrigued from the beginning to the end. A mini masterwork in the horror genre, a true work of art, can be read again and again with pleasure. Setting, character, and structure work like a piece of music to produce a mini symphony that reverberates with beauty with each reading. To get your own copy of Gabriella Balcom's On the Wings of Ideas in paperback or on Kindle, go to Amazon.com. Vampire, werewolf, djinn, phoenix, shapeshifter, and witch. They all came from somewhere. Six humans started the ritual. 
Six supernaturals walked away, but they left behind the one person who could destroy them all. Reese. Now she seeks vengeance on those who stole their power from her body. She seeks her children, for they will pay the ultimate penance. Available at MythMart.com, Amazon, Goodreads, and Barnes and & Noble. And now, enjoy this free JZO Modcast show. Hey there, this is Ralph Garman, and you are listening to the World of Myth Bits. You made an excellent choice. G'day from SA. This is Tim here with episode 235 of the World of Myth Bits. Hi everyone, I'm back again, another week's gone by, uh, flown by, um, and I thought that this episode I might sort of explore the idea, the concept of moods. Now, to uh, be honest with you, I am a July, early July born, uh, just had my 44th um, last month and yeah about about a month ago uh and i believe that i'm your typical cancerian uh hard on their sleeve uh as emotional as they come uh although my kids keep reminding me that i don't cry at movies uh don't cry at much actually and i think that's probably just sadly a generational thing maybe i mean that's a, a whole nother wormhole to uh to delve down and explore um and, and i don't know if a podcast like this is the place to do it but i uh, i wanted to examine the the idea of moods i i feel like i'm either in a writing mood or in a reading mood that's that's what I always believed. I believed that I had those two fluctuating states. Uh, and for many, many years now, I felt like I've been in that writing space. Not really uh, a lot of time to focus on reading, especially things like reading novels, longer stories, longer articles, um, that sort of thing. If, if I was reading anything, like maybe reviewing something for, uh, for a writer friend or, um, or something for work, it would more likely be 2,000, maybe 3,000 words. I wouldn't really be pushing any past that because I'd lose focus, I'd lose concentration and I'd, want, it'd be, I'd be wanting to move on to something else. Um, so, yeah, I, I was feeling as though I had those, those two fluctuating states uh, and that for the most part, I've been really stuck in a good way, I think. Uh, I've been getting a lot of writing done, but then I've just had probably a two-week, three-week period where I've hardly got any writing done whatsoever. And looking back on that period, um, that's because I'm very, very excited to announce that my uh, fantasy novella, 
Myrtle Norton's Guide to World Domination is uh, just around the corner. It should be coming out from Dark Myth Publishing in maybe a week. And so I've been in this weird third state. I've been very heavily editing, uh, going back and forth with uh, Mr. David K. Montoya, who, uh, who is helping me to, um, to set the manuscript, um, working on the cover art, the, the blurb, and um, all, all the stuff that needs to happen behind the scenes for a story to become a book. And working through that process with Dave... Uh, I think has really left me with little to no time for writing uh, and for reading either. It's like going over and over this manuscript, sort of scanning for potential um, corrections that need to be made. The This particular one, unlike my uh, children's novel, uh, The the Neighbour, it's uh, which is also through uh, Dark Myth Publishing. Thank you, Steph, and thank you, Dave, for the, these amazing opportunities. Um, but unlike that one, where everything just flowed, and I had chapter and chapter, um, the five chapters, this one here is just a, a flowing story that, uh, that has no chapters, but has specific footnotes relating to certain sections of certain pages where if the footnotes don't match up, then it doesn't make sense to the reader. I, I know clever readers would be able to work it out, but the, the whole joy of reading it, I'm hoping, is through um, the sort of that Pratchett and, early Pratchett and style of read, 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 footnote, ah, jump down to the bottom of the page, get the gag, move back into, like there's that flow of, uh, of reading. So yeah, I, was, I, I didn't realise how much time, dedication that this editing process was going to, uh, to take and how it's actually, like now that it's over, I'm suddenly finding that I've got all of these ideas for stories again, uh, stories, poetry, uh, identifying opportunities. I've, I've, I've seen opportunities as I've been going through this three-week or so period, but... I've sort of put them on the back burner and uh, and said, right, this this has to be my focus um, because of the deadline, but also because I guess I can't really do multiple things at once. It's sort of it's dedication to to the project at hand. So yeah, I I thought I would uh, would sort of make this uh, edition of the podcast based on um, on the idea of mood uh, but also I wanted to um, to sort of lightly tie in with that uh, the fact that um, my son and I went to uh, our local cinema and um, and caught the um, the movie Oppenheimer and I wanted to sort of reflect on how that made me feel. <laughs> Excuse me. On how that made me feel. And uh, going into the cinema, 
and then coming out of the cinema and I suppose the that three hour gap in between. But before we get into that, uh, uh, from our CEO, uh, I have a few things to mention. So just thought I'd jump in. Where are you, Dave? Where's the housekeeping? Here we go. Okay. So, off the top. Dark Myth Publications is excited to announce the upcoming release of Tim Law's Novelet. Myrtle Norton's Guide to World Domination, an autobiographical story that is 99.73844% true. That will be released this Tuesday the 8th, so just after this podcast goes out. Um, I will be a published author once again, and I am super excited and super duper proud. Uh, and the, the team at Dark Myth, Dark Myth Publishing, Dave, Steph, everyone involved... Uh, you have once again been an absolute joy to work with, uh, so patient with me uh, as an author, and my uh, my intricate my intricacies of oh, this has to be exactly right, and this is what I'm imagining, and can you can you make this happen? And somehow you've done it all. So I just wanted to thank you very much for that, and hopefully uh, people will take the opportunity. To, uh, to see just what sort of a parody uh, I've been able to come up with. Also, Dark Myth Comics will be entering the last stage of their distribution plan and will begin taking orders from the public beginning September the 8th for American Smash Episode 1. This is super cool. This is, this is a really big deal. Uh, for all you, uh, you comic book lovers out there, graphic novel fans... Um, make sure you get on board this. Make sure that you support the wonderful stuff that Dark Myth Comics is doing. Uh, and hopefully, um, down the track, there may be, if you're a, a graphic artist yourself, uh, or uh, have a great idea for um, for a comic book story, then hopefully, maybe, that's something that uh, that Dark Myth will be able to help you with. So that's number one. Number two, and now on to number three. Management at the JZO Modcast Network would like to apologise for the absence of the Grindhouse Sleaze podcast. Uh, poor Mr. David K. Montoya has and will continue to undergo oral surgery uh, and is currently unable to record. And I, to be honest, I've been having um, a few chats with Dave. I was lucky enough to record a uh, podcast, an episode of uh, The World of Myth Bits with him a couple of weeks ago and uh, that was an absolute joy but poor Dave has been suffering a bit, uh, got some major, major things going on at the moment uh, and we wish you all the best Dave, hopefully everything goes to plan, hopefully the, uh, the recovery goes well, is, uh, is quick and hopefully you're back on deck very, very soon. I believe I did see that um, Zoe has actually stepped up, your daughter uh, has actually stepped up, and there is a podcast for something that I cannot remember off the top of my head, I think is Zoe doing a review of a couple of past podcasts, 
So, uh, yeah, make sure that we support the younger generation. Um, love how you're keeping it in the family, Dave. And, uh, yeah, hopefully we can all uh, support Zoe, support Dave, support the family, support the company. And, um, yeah, jump on there, check it out, and leave a few encouraging comments. Number four. We are counting down to September 24th when we will learn who the grand prize winner will be of the fifth annual Open Contract Challenge. So that's very exciting. So it's only, what, about a month and a half away. Uh, Good luck to uh, the final two. Uh, And we will finally hear who, uh, who ended up with third place as well. So I cannot wait to announce that. Um, yeah, month, month and a half away. So fingers crossed for those that are still in it. Uh, and for those of us who, uh, sort of didn't quite make it, um, I'm sure that your, your minds are ticking over, uh, as we count down towards, uh, April, 2024, early April, uh, March, April, late March, early April, where we will be, um, all asked to submit for Open Contract Challenge uh, Year 6. And uh, fingers crossed, I think there was uh, a bit of a, uh, a possible talk of uh, going through to Year 10 and then having a best of the best, sort of looking uh, an opportunity where those who have won previous challenges will get the opportunity to submit something new and sort of battle it out. So, uh, yeah, a, a few years yet. It's open, open for a few more years. And whether that happens or not, I mean, it's uh, who knows what the future holds. Uh, but I think that's a pretty cool idea to, um, to sort of go uh, get the, uh, the top 10 to, uh, to battle it out. And then speaking of September 24th, that's also a very special day. Uh, that's also the day that the World of Myth magazine will finally return. So I am very, very, very excited. I cannot wait to, uh, to be able to review the September edition of, uh, of the World of Myth magazine in its new format, the new uh, e-format. Uh, and then also the fact that it will be available from um, Dark Myth Publishing as a, a printed uh, book or magazine as well. So that's kind of cool. I think that's, uh, that's very, very exciting. So uh, Dave said, please keep an eye out on theworldofmyth.com for more information, I assume. Uh, number six, MythMart will be exploring new company-owned products to offer on the storefront. So if you have an item that you wish to sell at MythMart, just contact Dave at David K Montoya at jazomondarkmyth.com. That's David K Montoya, all as one word, at jazomondarkmyth.com. Um, and also just wanted to mention the uh, MythMart store. Make sure that you jump on. Make sure that you check out the uh, the great range of apparel, unique T-shirts, um, very cool styles. Uh, yeah, just a, a lot of fun uh, fun merchandise that you can pick up, as well as some incredible books. 
like the the stuff that uh, that Dark Myth Publishing does is um, is unique, fun, awesome, dark. Um, the you you name it, it's there. Uh, something for everyone, uh, including Stephanie J. Barty's new book. It's so bright and shiny and new. Or well, probably not bright and shiny, but it's definitely new. It's uh, it's more dark, um, and uh, a very very interesting read. So that's Penance by Stephanie J. Barty, uh, and I believe I did see something on Facebook, TikTok, um, something about a uh, a reading coming up by the author herself. So uh, make sure that you follow that. Make sure that you support. Make sure that you uh, you check that out for sure. Um, and uh, and hopefully I haven't stuffed my dates up, and hopefully you get the opportunity to hear this before um, that uh, that happens. Uh, and that yeah, we do do jump on and we do support. Um, love you, Steph. You do some amazing stuff. Uh, write incredible stories, uh, and just the um, in your role as chief editor, also the fact that you. Uh, started up the world of myth bits podcast as well um or was that you i i know that you uh you have done a lot of episodes for uh for the world of myth bits and um yeah we're incredibly grateful for everything that you do for us as writers uh as readers and uh also all the wonderful things that you do for the company so yes make sure that you jump on uh the Myth Mart. Also check out theworldofmyth.com. Uh, and yeah, hanging out for um, the 24th of September. Big news on two fronts for the company. So that's all very cool. So now, back to our theme today. Um, and moods. How, how does your mood affect you as a writer? Uh, I find I'm very hard on my sleeve. Um, I I try to write emotional, or I, I don't try to write emotional, but I I guess I find that emotional, like emotion comes out. I hope in my characters. Uh, I hope that they're um, that that way easier to understand. Uh, that way easier to um, to like or hate. Or um, to follow their story, follow the um, the the transition, uh, the growth, um, that it then makes sense why my characters do certain things. Uh, but then my characters seem to just exist in my head in their own way, and they. Um, uh, I know uh, a writer friend um, on another site popped up a um, a meme. Uh, a letter from the characters uh, to the writer saying, we, uh, we deeply apologise to you, but we've decided to go our own way. And that is uh, my characters seem to want to go their own way all the time. I'm, uh, I'm often surprised. Um, take Padra, for example, uh, in Padra's Tale, which I, I hope that you've been following and I hope you've been enjoying. Uh, I, uh, I sort of get to the, the middle of a... A, uh, and a a chapter of or an edition of Paethra's Tale and find that where I thought we were going at the start 
we're suddenly moving in a different direction. And by the time I get to the end of what I'm submitting to Steph to sort of review, I'm sort of scratching my head wondering, how did we get there? And I can just see Pathra smiling back at me. Uh, she, she knew where she was going all along. Uh, and she's sort of taken me for a ride. And um, that, that kind of happens with a lot of stuff that I'm writing. And if the, if the characters don't want to talk to me, then there's not a lot that I can write. And I, I guess lately I've been switched off from what the characters have been telling me and, and I've been trying to edit. And I think that's the difficulty that I'm having with another story that I've got that is probably well overdue uh, for another company that uh, just like uh, Dark Myth Publishing, they're, um, they're very writer-focused uh, and they're, they're very... Um, they understand that we, we really are, I wouldn't even consider myself semi-professional. I know that, uh, that this was something that I sort of brought up and discussed with, uh, with Kylie, my friend, in a, uh, in a previous edition of the podcast, sort of what makes you a professional or semi-professional writer. Um, and I, I still feel like I'm in hobby stage, the... Uh, and incredibly lucky in the number of acceptances that I've had. And I've had plenty of rejections, plenty of rejections um, over the, the five or so years that I've been writing and writing a lot and submitting to different sites for, um, for publication. And there are um, a whole bunch of stories that I've still got out there waiting that... Uh, the more rejections you get, the more rejections I guess you suspect uh, you expect to receive. But for every acceptance that you get, it sort of gives you um, that euphoric feeling of, "Hey, I do know what I'm doing. I I I did hit the mark on this occasion." Uh, and it gives you that boost of confidence to send more out, to write more, to to focus back on um, maybe it's not a hobby after all. And that I guess comes again with my uh, my my ebb and flow of my moods. I suppose it's the whole. This is hard. I've done it. Why are they rejecting me? Hey, I've got like a another couple of successes. The, um, but then it also comes down to where, like they're, as you write, sometimes you, it's the, the paid su- success, like the uh, submitting to somewhere that will pay you for your story. I think is more challenging but then there are occasions where I've sent stuff to a non-paying market like a non-paying publisher um, and it still gets rejected because it's not what they're looking for Um, and sometimes you can look back and sometimes you can see yes that's not my best work or maybe I rushed that a little bit or maybe that didn't hit the brief or maybe the way that I was looking at an idea or a concept is different to what the publisher is actually looking for. 
so um, yeah, it's the um, the challenge of they want A, then you supply A, and then they want capital A, you supply capital A. You you sometimes you supply lowercase A, uh, and sometimes you supply lowercase Z, and it doesn't always match up. But you've you've got to try and and hit that brief and make that work. Uh, but then sometimes it's just uh, more an open slather of send us your stuff. We're looking for stuff to publish, and that happily um, is. Nine times out of ten, you'll get feedback saying, yep, you beauty, you're in. And that, any success is a good success, but the successes that pay are the best successes of all. And I guess we all feel that way. But then the opportunity to publish your books, like publish books of stories or poems that are your work and working with a publisher on that sort of project is a thrill in its own right and then being able to actually market that to readers to libraries to um hopefully eventually bookstores i mean those of us that are doing that i would love to know how i would love to know how but then uh also the we do have a local bookstore but it's a lot of um erotic fantasy or um, vampire fiction or uh, yeah it's um, I really really need to go and sit down with the bookshop owner I think and see if any of my stories any of my books that I'm sort of publishing at the moment will fit into her niche market and hopefully yeah hopefully we can come up with some sort of um, opportunity where uh, where I can get my books into um, into the um, fiction and fiction bookshop here in Murray Bridge as well, I think would be kind of cool. But we'll uh, we'll just have to wait and see. That's something for um, for down the line. But yes, the the whole concept of of mood, being in the writing mood, being in the right writing mood being in the mood where you're open to listening to what your characters are trying to tell you uh, and um, being in the reading mood. Is there anybody else out there like that, that you sort of switch from one to the other or um, are you able to be working on projects and taking some time to read other books, other people's books or works or uh, listening to audio books or that sort of thing. And what's your preference as well? There are, are a lot of us old school readers that we prefer the, the feel of the page, um, the, the hardcover or the softcover, uh, more so than the electronic version. Uh, I mean, I know... Um, I, I'm struggling to be able to purchase copies of all of the books that I've got stories in. I was actually lucky enough, I asked for my birthday uh, for some Amazon vouchers so that I could actually purchase some of the books that I've got 
stories, poems. Uh, and so um, with the the fact that I did get a gift of an Amazon voucher for um, the birthday this year, I uh, I managed to pick up two more books. So now I've got a pile. I'm building my uh, my own personal library. And I've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen. Uh fourteen books in the pile so far. Uh with I think two of them being dark myths publications. I've got um I ended up with a story in where are we? Uh nope, not that one. Uh Unwelcomed. And also, of course, I've got the copy of my uh, my children's book, The Neighbour, as well. So uh, I can't wait to uh, to add a copy of Merrill Norton's Guide to World Domination to uh, to that pile, and hopefully, I'll get an opportunity to um, to purchase a, a few more, uh, add to that uh, that ever growing list of titles that I've been lucky enough that the um, the publisher has said, yes, we like your poem, we love your story, we would like to include it in our anthology. They are the sweetest words that any writer can hear. So, I thought I would slightly change tack uh, and just wanted to, uh, to sort of delve into the, the mood of um, going to our local cinema, the Cameo Cinema, and uh and watching Oppenheimer Oppenheimer was a very 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 long and very 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 interesting film in my opinion uh and it was was great my um my son's 17 and he's i guess somewhat interested in history i i guess the um they don't here in Australia, we we had a long period of time where our education system spent, invested in teaching our students about the world wars, about British history, American history, um, but not a lot of, on Australian history. And so there was a... Um, like in my later years of high school, there was a complete flip where the government of the day decided Australian history needed to be the focus for our students. And so a bit of that history, like the medieval England, um, I, was, I was obsessed with the Magna Carta and uh, the, um, how and why that was created and how and why it went so wrong from the very beginning of its uh, of its existence, um, that was something that fascinated me. Uh, the idea of castles on the coast and on the borders of um, the United Kingdom, like the um, England, Ireland, Scotland, Wales. Uh, there's so many castles through there. But I did have a rare occasion where I uh, I popped over for an overseas trip. And um, I was not disappointed in every town or city or every place that I visited. I made sure that I saw the churches and I made sure that I saw the castles 
as well as the other touristy sort of things. Um, and to think for a long, long time with Australian education, when we did look at our own history, it was really European settlement, uh, the different prime ministers and, uh, and that sort of thing. And it's only just now where we're going back further and looking at our Indigenous, our First Nations people. Um, and there's a lot of investment, uh, a lot of time investment, a lot of um, financial investment in trying to educate Australian society in the importance uh, and the um, what First Nations people are able to teach us and what they're able to, um, what we need to celebrate about their, uh, their culture and what we're losing uh, in a lot of instances where, where we, uh, we're trying to, or in the past we were trying to stamp out the use of language and the use of uh, tradition and, uh, and that sort of thing and the fact that that's all being encouraged in many, many ways and supported in many, many ways to, uh, to be rediscovered, I suppose, and shared with the whole of community. But anyway, back to, uh, back to Oppenheimer um, and coming into the film, I thought I knew a lot of uh, aspects of that, that history, that particular time. And according to the film, a lot of it, a lot of what I thought I knew was wrong. And I'm happy to accept the fact that, well, uh, well, on one side, it might be somebody's interpretation. But on the flip side, um, I'm trusting that the information, the historical references... Um, the the what happened the how happened and the and the why uh would have to be fairly accurate and so yeah i'm happy to accept the fact that i'm wrong and i'm happy to uh to take on board the story of the film but it was it was fascinating for me to sort of learn those uh those what, what the film was trying to say uh, and it was fascinating over the three hours to actually work out how they told the story. There were like numerous, as a, as a writer, there were numerous threads, uh, numerous timelines that sort of all melded in together and there was a, a, a period where I must admit I was confused um, but I felt by the end of the film that everything came together and chatting with my son about it on the way home in the car I think we were both on the same page we were both on the, uh, the same level of understanding um, yeah and it was just interesting uh, to be able to have that experience with him and to sort of see it from the point of view of the fact that he's not quite 20 and I'm not quite 50 so we've got that gap 
and what I found was interesting and what I found was uh, was important uh, I think was slightly different to uh, to what he thought but it's yeah it's I guess it's it's the different generations I suppose and where I'm not respectful but where I'm um, grateful I suppose there's a lot of horror that comes from war and there's there's a lot of uh, tension and you've got multiple sides and you've got the at the end of the day it's two governments in disagreement and there's bloodshed because of it there's uh there's death there's destruction there's um there's got to be a better way to uh to resolve these uh these types of things but the um with without knowing what that is i i guess we fall back on uh on old ways um the the whole oppenheimer idea of the science the race um the the minds working together working against each other um It was great to uh, to sort of see the personalities interact, uh, and also it was interesting to see the the whole joy of the achievement, but then the horror that sort of came from the use of such a weapon. It's and and then the the whole uh, the way that what was supposed to be support wasn't support at all i yeah i i think it was yeah it was a very well told story and although 3 hours felt like a very long 3 hours for that story to be told the way that the different threads sort of wove in and out of each other i don't think that it could be told any quicker and at work, at the library where I work, we've got the book um, on the shelf. It's like a, a new book in our, um, on our new book display. And I'd sort of come across it just after watching the movie. And I'm like, ah, oh. having a flick through. Uh, it's a very thick book. Like it's, I, I, at a guess, I would say probably over a thousand pages, which is, uh, and for a non-fiction book, that's... Um, that's unusual. Like it's uh, like a, a fiction book, uh, a fiction story, start to finish is usually about 300, 400, maybe 500 pages at the most. You you can get longer ones. Uh, and in the past, like in the, um, in the 60s and 70s, the heyday of uh, fantasy fiction, you would find that a, a thousand and... 10 page novel um, 
wouldn't be that unusual. To be able to tell such an epic tale, you need that amount of book. It's, yeah, it's, it's more unusual to, to have that in, uh, in my opinion, in the, um, the sort of the non-fiction realm, in the factual stuff that, uh, that people publish. But um, I, I guess it's no surprise then that the film is so long. If you haven't seen it, I, uh, I thoroughly recommend you go and see it. Just the sort of the emotion that it brought up from me at certain points in the movie, um, I think that was worth it. Just to, to sort of be brought along for the ride in such a way that you, you're sort of caught up in the, um, the joy, the horror, uh, and then the disappointment, I suppose. Yeah, no, it was, it was a, a, um, a fascinating film, and I, uh, I'm thoroughly glad. Uh, I have been asked to take my youngest daughter to see the Barbie movie, though, and I'm not looking forward to that. It, um, yeah, I don't know. The, it's, what I've heard, it's an important film, the Barbie movie, an important film for now, uh, and it explores some great ideas, uh, but I don't know if it's the sort of film that, um, yeah, I'm not sure. I, I guess maybe that's another thing that, uh, that I will have to reserve for a later podcast to sort of explore the idea of um, the power of... No, hang on, no. Maybe that's another thing for another day. Uh, and if and when I... I believe that I probably will go eventually, whether it's in the cinema or whether it's um, like on a, uh, on a streaming platform or DVD. We still watch DVDs, so, um, so maybe we, uh, we might end up getting it on DVD. I don't know. Who knows? Um, I know that my wife wants to watch Oppenheimer, so we'll, uh, we'll probably end up getting that. Um, so why not, Barbie? Why not uh, add them both to the collection? But I, for one, will not be sitting down and watching them both in one day. That will be uh, far too great a dedication to uh, to be able to do that. Um, but yes, the I I assume that I will eventually uh, sit down with my daughter or both my daughters. My uh, my eldest daughter has already watched it, uh, enjoyed it, and come back with uh, with raving reviews. Um, so I'm sure that uh, that when Boo ends up watching it, I'll probably end up watching it with her, and um, yeah, I uh, I will certainly give it a red hot crack uh, at giving it a uh, a review. But yes, um, Oppenheimer, great uh, emotional, interesting, fascinating, um, and everything that I thought I knew was wrong. So that's that's my review of that, uh, and I guess that's getting me back into the um, the whole vein of uh, reviewing everybody's stories, poetry, and artwork. 
So I hope that you're all submitting, madly submitting for, uh, I think we're coming up to December. Is it the December edition of the World of Myth magazine? It's, uh, it feels really weird subbing so far ahead, but I can, I can see what Dave and Steph are, um, are trying to do. Um, it's, uh, it's a different experience, I would imagine, laying out a, um, a web-based magazine compared to uh, an e-magazine or like a, a physical turn-the-page type um, print magazine as well. So, wish you all the best. Um, wish everybody uh, a, um, uh, a happy August. Uh, and hopefully you're um, you're living up the uh, the last of the summer. If you're uh, one of those northern hemisphere listeners, uh, and hopefully you're um, you're not doing too bad in uh, surviving the end of our winter uh, here in the uh, in the southern hemisphere. Today's not too bad a day. Uh, I can actually see. Some uh, some greyish clouds mixed in with some white fluffy ones and uh, a few patches of blue sky. Um, gorgeous, gorgeous winter's day here in South Australia. Uh, feels like a um a good day to uh, to do a bit of writing. So uh, now uh, switching tack back into um, the writing mode, uh, and it feels good. It does feel good indeed. So uh, I'll say ciao for now, farewell to you all. Um, And yeah, don't forget to submit. Don't forget to check out uh, the mythmart.com. Don't forget to check out World of Myth as well.